0: All right, uh, it's good. Go and turn to Proverbs chapter nine, if you would. There's some handouts on the desk if you need it. Proverbs chapter number nine. We're continuing on. Those of you joining us tonight. Uh, we're doing our study of the books of the Bible. Uh, really just trying to give that overview of the books of the Bible. Not trying to be too exhaustive, trying to give you a working understanding, and as you're going through it, you'll be able to kind of pick things out and see things. So uh, as you see on your vital statistics, 31 chapters, 915 verses, 15,038 words. Solomon is primarily the author. He gets a lot of the credit for it. But chapter 30 is written by a person named Agur. Chapter 31 is credited to this person named Lemuel. Uh, 1 Kings 4.32 actually says that Solomon spake 3,000 proverbs. We don't have 3,000 in our Bible, but... The Bible says in 1 Kings that he spake uh, 3,000 proverbs. And Ecclesiastes 12, 9 says that Solomon set in order many proverbs. I don't know how many he set in order. And uh, Proverbs 25, verse 1 says these are the proverbs that the men of Hezekiah, king of Judah, copied out. So we've got some copies of a copy of a copy here. And God, I don't know how many proverbs he spoke I don't know how many Proverbs were copied out. I don't know how many Proverbs were set in order, but I know we've got our 31 Proverbs that we need that God put in the Bible, exactly what we need to know. So, Proverbs 9, verse 10 is where I'm starting here. Some of the key words in your Bible, in the book of Proverbs, are knowledge, wisdom, and maybe it's this thing. Maybe I got a little, maybe too much. Is there some reverb on? Maybe that's what it is. All right, knowledge wisdom, and understanding. All right? Uh, Knowledge is the facts. Wisdom is how to apply those facts. And understanding is the fear of God to tell the difference between the two. So, um, Proverbs 9.10 uses those three words together. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. All right? So... um, there's your three words to get. What is it? Sounded funky on the, no, on the recording. All right, so we'll live with it here. You guys can make it through. You'll struggle through here. All right, great. All right, so there it is. That's a key verse, key uh, nine ten. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It shows you how to apply it. And the knowledge of the Holy is understanding. The more you come to know about God, the more you get a healthy fear of God that helps you navigate the information and how to apply the information. So you'll see those words show up a lot in your in, in the Book of Proverbs. Knowledge. Wisdom and understanding. And let's go to Proverbs 8 now, which might be right to the left of the page. Jesus Christ is pictured as our wisdom in the book of Proverbs. Now you see it noted on your sheet, but 1 Corinthians 1.30 says, But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom. Right, God made Jesus Christ our wisdom wisdom. And in Proverbs chapter 8, wisdom is actually used as a type of Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus Christ is wisdom, but he's more than wisdom. But here in Proverbs chapter 8, wisdom is speaking, but it's a picture of Jesus Christ. Let me show you some things about Jesus Christ in Proverbs 8, which are pretty neat. Verse number 22. Ready? First, you're going to see in Proverbs 8, Jesus Christ before creation. Watch it. The Lord possessed me in the beginning of his way, before his works of old. I was set up from everlasting, from the beginning, or ever the earth was. When there were no depths, that's important, I was brought forth when there were no fountains abounding with water before the mountains were settled before the hills was i brought forth while as yet he had not made the earth nor the fields nor the highest part of the dust of the world there's jesus christ before creation you know what his name was before creation the word And there it is right there. There is the Word stepping out of the Godhead. You realize before this whole thing started, now this maybe was Genesis 1-1 or before Genesis 1-1, God was just all in all. It was just God. And then, you know, this dynamic of Father... Son and the Holy Ghost, the Father, Word, and the Holy Ghost was brought forth before He began this plan with man. And there you see Him saying, I was brought forth. So there's the Word being manifested, coming out of the Godhead in the very beginning. Then read 27 to 30. Now you're going to see Jesus Christ during creation. Ready? When He prepared the heavens, I was there. When he set a compass upon the face of the depth. Please notice, now there's a deep. In the first few verses, there were no depths. That's before, that's Genesis 1, 1 or earlier. Now we've got a depth because now there's a deep. God put those waters to separate us. Then he says, when he prepared the heavens, I was there. When he set a compass upon the face of the depth. When he established the clouds above. When he strengthened the fountains of the deep when he gave the sea his decree that the water should not pass his commandment, when he appointed the foundations of the earth, watch it, then I was by him as one brought up with him, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him. Notice he says, there is Jesus Christ during creation, and what does it say in John 1, 3? And the word was with God during creation. He says, then I was brought up With him, so there's the word with God during creation, and then if you keep reading in 31 36, there's Jesus Christ after creation, right. Then I was brought up by him, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him, rejoicing in the habitable part of his earth, and my delights were with the sons of men. Now therefore hearken unto me, O ye children, for blessed are they that keep my ways. Hear instruction, and be wise, and refuse it not. Blessed is the man that heareth me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the posts of my doors. For whoso findeth me, findeth life." And shall obtain favor of the Lord. But he that sinneth against me wrongeth his own soul. All they that hate me love death. Before creation, He's the Word manifested. During creation, He's the Word that's with God. After creation, He's the Son of God, fellowshipping with the sons of men, reaching out to us and fellowshipping with us and trying to commune with us. Since the garden, right, when He walked with Adam in the garden in the cool of the day, even with you, when He walks with you and talks with you, that's His ministry now. That's the wisdom typifying Jesus Christ. And um, as we've said, Proverbs is the heart of our wisdom books. The heart of our Bible is right here. And the heart of the heart of our Bible is Proverbs. Job was the sufferings of God. That showed us the bitter man. Psalms was the heart of God. That showed us the blessed man. Remember what blessed them? What was the blessing? Where did you get blessed from in Psalms? How do you get blessed, Class? Oh boy, I failed as a teacher, bad. Right? The word of God who is with you. Blessed is he that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Got to go back to that lesson. Redo that lesson. Bring the sign that says audience participation. They thought it was rhetorical again. Right? Yes, yes. Um... Proverbs was the balanced man is the balanced man, Ecclesiastes we'll talk about next week log willing, that's the backsliding man, and Song of Solomon is the beloved man. So, the heart of the heart of your Bible is the book of Proverbs. Now go to Proverbs chapter 4 and let's get a key verse from the heart of the heart of our Bible. Proverbs 4:23. This might be the key verse of the whole book. Ready? Proverbs 4.23, I quote this verse often. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Amen and amen. If you can get that verse down, you'll probably be good for the next 500 verses that you think you need to memorize, right? (laughs) If you take care of your heart, all the issues of life that are going to spring up, you'll probably be able to handle them. And the heart of the heart of your Bible is about keeping your heart. The book of Proverbs is supposed to keep your heart. In fact, in the beginning of the book, he says, Keep thy heart. Towards the end of the book, he says, My son, give me thine heart. Proverbs 23, 26. So let's get into let's go to Proverbs 1. And let's get into this breakdown because there is no way that I'm going to cover all of the knowledge and wisdom in the book of Proverbs in the next, you know, 40 minutes, right? Impossible. Some of you set your watches right now. He said 40 minutes, click, you started the watches. All right, don't hold me to that. I'm going to do my best, right? But you know what? What I'm going to show you is how the book of Proverbs can work for you. How is it laid out so you can go into it and get what you need to get? Because there's so much wisdom in there. We could break it down and talk about it for months and months and years. But let's just talk about the breakdown. Because the breakdown is instructive. The breakdown is the key to the book. Chapters 1 to 7, this is indicated on your sheet, is appealing to the king's son. All right? Every chapter from one to seven addresses the king's son. Are you a king's son? Amen. Okay, watch it now. Ready? Look at this. Just flip with me really fast. 18. See one eight? My son. See one ten? My son. See two one, two one. My son. Three one, my son. Four twenty, chapter four, verse twenty, my son. Five one, my son. my son. And 7-1, if you're a betting person, you know what I'm going to say, my son. So the Lord is addressing, or I should say Proverbs, is addressing, the king is addressing his son. That is super important. Who is that son? I'll give you three possible answers. Historically, that son is probably King Rehoboam who was Solomon's successor to the kingdom of Judah. It was supposed to be the whole kingdom, but it's split. But Rehoboam is who Solomon is probably addressing, and Rehoboam ends up being a fool. He was an idiot, Rehoboam, even though he addressed this book probably to him. So historically, it's King Rehoboam. Doctrinally, that son is the nation of Israel, because the nation of Israel is the corporate son of the father, right? It's the corporate son of the father. And uh, I didn't get into this. I made a mistake over here, but I forgot to mention that Proverbs is the mind of God, the father Ecclesiastes is the mind of the spirit and song of Solomon is the mind of Christ. So now we're getting the mind of God, the father and it's addressed to his son. Doctrinally, that's the nation of Israel. He says it in Exodus, Israel is my son. Not individually, but corporately, nationally. He looks at a whole nation and says, that's my son. I've called my son out of Egypt. Right? And he was talking about the nation being delivered. He's also talking about Jesus Christ. They use it in the New Testament. But in the Old Testament, it's also talking about the nation being delivered. All right? And then lastly, spiritually, it's you. <laughs> spiritually, that son is every child of God by faith in Jesus Christ. You're a child of God by faith in Jesus Christ. Let me get an amen. amen. Wake us all up. Amen. So you're God's son. John 1.12, right? As many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Galatians three twenty six. for you are all children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. So if you believed on Jesus Christ, guess what? You're a son. This book is directed to you. So the opening is the appeal to the king's son. The middle... 8 to 30 addresses all the issues of life. That's all the wisdom, man. That is like... I mean, Proverbs goes into how to run your business, how to train your children, how to act when somebody invites you for dinner is in the book of Proverbs. What to do with money, what not to do with money, what to do with your stuff, how to treat your pets. It's all in the book of Proverbs. Right? It's all the issues of life are there. And then you get to chapter 31, which is the culmination of all that wisdom and it's the assuming of the virtuous woman because the virtuous woman is who God wants you to become. You got that? It's an appeal to the king's son. He's like, I got your attention. Let me give you all my wisdom because I want you to become my virtuous woman. The way the book is laid out is what God is trying to do with the book. Um, Now, Who is that woman? Right? Twofold. Number one, for the Father, the nation of Israel is supposed to be the Father's virtuous woman. Right? That's Jehovah's bride. Uh, Matthew 25, verse 1, you don't have to flip there. Jesus says, Then shall the kingdom of heaven, Old Testament, nation of Israel, be likened unto ten virgins... And he says, five of them were wise and five were foolish. God wants his people to be wise, not foolish. Proverbs is the key. That's the doctrinal application for Israel. But hey, Jesus Christ has a bride. I'm looking at her. (laughs) The bride of Christ is Christ's church. You know what? The church is supposed to be Jesus Christ's virtuous woman, aren't you? I mean, 2 Corinthians eleven two, 2, Paul likens the church to a chaste virgin. Not virgins, plural, but a virgin. There's a difference. They're spelled differently, okay? In Ruth chapter 3, Boaz is talking to Ruth, and he says, everybody knows, Ruth, that you're a virtuous woman. Boaz is a type of Christ Ruth is a Gentile who's a type of the church and the type of Christ is telling the type of the church that everybody knows that you're a virtuous woman because the church, you, you say, I'm tough. Yeah, okay. You're supposed to be Christ's virtuous woman. So the book is laid out that you see it. He's trying to get your attention. He wants to address the issues of life. So you become, what do I have to do? Sorry. Um, I'm I'm hypersensitive right now. I'm seeing everything. Um, You're supposed to become that virtuous woman. So let's go to chapter one. Let's jump into chapter one and let's get into some big ideas and some thoughts from the book of Proverbs. And like I said, I'm leaving out 90% of it. All right, I'm going to hit the highlights and then I'm going to leave it alone. You want to learn the wishes of life? God gave you 31 chapters so you could read one chapter a day to get some wisdom, right? I think God did that on purpose. All right? Proverbs 1, verse 1 gives us the purpose of the book. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, that's one. To receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment, and equity, that's two. To give subtlety to the simple, that's, uh, I messed up. To know, I skipped verse two. To know wisdom and instruction. Number two, to perceive the words of understanding. Number three, to receive the instruction of wisdom, judgment, judgment, and equity, and number four, to give subtlety to the simple, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. The purpose of proverbs for the child of God, for the king's son, is fourfold: to know, to perceive, to receive, and to give. There's a lesson in that, folks. You know, the first thing you have to do about God, you have to find out what God thinks. You've got to know what God thinks. The Bible says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, right? You're supposed to know some things about God, know some things about what God did to you, know some things about the future, know some things about family. You're supposed to know things. The first thing the book of Proverbs and God wants to do for you is to give you knowledge, Knowledge is power, Sir Francis Bacon said. Knowledge is power. Knowing the truth, the Bible says, makes you free. Right, that's number one. Number two, then you've got to perceive the words of understanding. You see, once you know what God says, you've got to understand it for yourself. You've got to discern it for yourself. I can explain to you gravity, but to perceive it, let me just, you know jump off this diving board and really feel what it's like right um i can explain to you centripetal force but you might know what that is but if i put you on one of those little merry-go-round things and start spinning you then you might be able to experience centripetal force christian you taking notes for your physics class all right so i got physics on my mind that's why i'm using physics illustrations then it says to receive because once you understand what God thinks, and you understand what God means, then you've got to let it in, and then you've got to make it yours. Amen? Amen. You've gotta, you get those thoughts up here, you kind of, okay, I get it, God. Then you got to make it yours, and then it says it gives you subtlety. You see, when God's thoughts become your thoughts, then you can choose wisely. Then you can discern. Then you have the subtlety to navigate the issues of life. That makes sense? And, and the way God wants to give you wisdom, child of God, is the key to training wise children, by the way. You just got a lesson there on how to deal with children and grandchildren. You know the first thing children need? First parents need to teach their little ones to know right and wrong. Amen. You can't start with understanding. That one-year-old wants to put their hand on the stove. Well, let me explain. Okay, 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 honey, let's sit down. Let me explain to you why I said no. Right? Let's understand why, okay? Because your skin is made up of cells that burn, and we want to cook bacon on the stove, not your palm, okay? No, you can't explain it to a six-month-old. They've just got to know right and wrong when daddy says no you stop when mommy says go you go and vice versa so when that little one loosens up your hand and wants to run across the street and you say no that little one's going to stop she's not going to turn around and say why and then keep running to her own destruction all right in the beginning zoe and dad are having a moment right there (laughs) that's why honey all right so to know you got to know some things first you got to teach them some things doesn't be an explanation they've got to learn to obey in the beginning your commands i hate to sound so you know bombastic like that but they said they've got to learn to obey you so they'll know how to obey god they got to know some things number two then as those little ones grow they need to understand the difference themselves i can't take my six-year-old or my seven-year-old and just throw a decree down you know why because that little seven-year-old brain is starting to think why you know, you know, it's good to sit that little one down when they get of age to explain why we don't do this, why we go to church, why we don't go there like lost people do. You know what? Then they start to perceive, oh, we're not like everybody else. We're God's children. We're not children of the world or children of the devil. You start to, when they get to be that age where they've understood right from wrong, then you can start explaining to them. Then they get a little older, and as those children mature, you know what they need to do? They need to receive it. to get to be that tween age, that teenager age, you know what they need to do? They need to take that value system that mom and dad has been trying to instill in them and then explain to them and make it theirs. Because mommy and daddy ain't going to be there forever. You know, when the devil comes into their little Eden for that evil day, mommy and daddy aren't going to be there to beat the bad guys away all the time. They're going to have to stand. They're going to have to choose. They're going to have to internalize Sunday school, youth group, mom, dad, preaching and form it and let it into their hearts themselves and said, you know what, this is right, this is wrong and apply it to their lives. And number four, when that happens, they have subtlety. They have discretion. So when the evil day comes to their porch, they can choose wisely and use what they've learned in the issues of life. Does that make sense? It's right there, right from jump. You've got a lesson for you. You've got a lesson for your kids. Now go to chapter 1, verse 8. One eight. <clears throat> My son, hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother. You know what you got there? You got the Old Testament and the New Testament working together. Like a father and a mother need to work together. You say, where do you see that? The instruction of thy father, that's the Old Testament. All the commandments of the Old Testament that you know the Father passed down. You know what the law of thy mother is? That's the New Testament. That's the word that gave you second birth like a mother. That's in the New Testament, right? The Gospels of the New Testament. That word in the New Testament gave you birth, the water of life like a mother. God says you need the Old Testament, you need the New Testament, and those two things together will help you increase an understanding. You should, I know in the beginning you want to read the New Testament, and that's good, get the New Testament down, but you need the Old Testament, man. You're never going to appreciate, how about a house where daddy is saying one thing and mommy is saying another thing and those two things are not working together. You got a, you got an incomplete house there, right? But you got a house where daddy's saying one thing and mommy's back, backing daddy up. You know what you got? You got a two-fold cord there. You got a, you got a frontal assault there. You know, those kids don't stand a chance, right? They're going to get some good instruction, right? And so the Old Testament, listen, Pastor Mel said it one time from the pulpit when he came back and he was preaching something, I'll never forget it. He said one of the great tragedies in the church today is the failure of the teaching of the Old Testament the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed all the types and the pictures and the illustrations that you have in the New Testament are all illustrated for you in the Old Testament I mean don't you like pictures in a book? The pictures are all in the Old Testament. You don't just want to read the instruction manual. You want to see the pictures. So the New Testament is giving you the instructions, but the Old Testament has all the pictures to give life and shape and story to what we're illustrating here. So there's those two things together. All right? Now, you might be thinking, wow, there's no way you're gonna finish this book. You didn't get past the eighth verse. Now is we're gonna like lift the wheels up and take off. Because go to Proverbs chapter 10 because I'm not going to go through all the issues of life, but what I am going to show you is how the book of Proverbs is full of contrasts. You learn by contrasts. You learn, community strike, this is a circle, this is a square, this is a boy, this is a girl. This is one color, and this is another color. This is this shape, and this is a different shape. And your little brain goes, "Eh? Uh? Oh, they're different. Uh?" And you get some understanding, right? That's how you get it. We learn that in psychology. We learn that in cognitive intelligence. We learn that in almost basic psychology classes, I had to struggle through as an education student. But suddenly now... Hershey says, anybody's anybody they want to be. Okay, sorry, I have mental agita because that doesn't work in my brain. That doesn't work in nature. That doesn't work in the Bible. And the God who wired you knows how you work. So if you want wisdom, he's going to show you contrasts right? Contrast. You take your kids to the mission, not a bad thing. Hey, son, this is what happens when you don't live right, and this is what happens when you do live right. I'm not afraid to take my kids. I wasn't afraid to take my kids to the mission. I wanted to see a guy who stunk like hell and was three feet from it because of the bad choices he made. So now I can draw, now I want to help that guy, but it's a contrast, right? God's given you contrast, and I'm going to give you three big contrasts in the book of Proverbs three different people that you can be. First contrast. You can be the righteous man or the wicked man. Proverbs is full of contrasts about that. Look at Proverbs 10:11. Let me give you some of them. The righteous man or the wicked man. Let's see who you are. Proverbs 10:11. The mouth of a righteous man is a well of life, but violence covereth the mouth of the wicked. A righteous man's mouth brings life. What he says is a blessing. How about you? What the wicked man says just stirs up trouble and brings in violence. I'm not going to turn to all these verses. I'll give you another one. Proverbs 12:10. You can flip if you want. I'm not going to read it. But a righteous man regardeth the life of his beast. Every pet owner says amen. Right? A righteous man is a good master. A righteous man doesn't take advantage of the creatures under him that are maybe weak, right? Proverbs 13 verse five: "A righteous man hateth lying. A righteous man is an honest man, but it says a wicked man is loathsome, right He just hates on everything. But a righteous man is, is an honest man. And let's go to Proverbs 21:12. I do want to read this one. Proverbs 21:12. This is a good one. The righteous man wisely considereth the house of the wicked, but God overthroweth the wicked for their wickedness. You know what that says? A righteous man thinks ahead to avoid destruction. A righteous man looks down the road and says, I don't want to follow those guys. Those guys are not going the right way. I go that right way, I'm going to bust my head. Right? A righteous man foresees the evil, and hides himself. I think it says in Proverbs, a prudent man does that. Right? That's. Are you righteous? You thinking more than one foot in front of you? You know, that one night stand may be a world of hurt. You know, and those those things that happen in a moment. But the wicked, it says, the wicked. What does it say? Twenty one twelve. The wicked over a throne for their wickedness. Right? They don't think ahead. They don't have any long view, and they end up getting destroyed. So there's my question to you. That's our first big contrast in the book of Proverbs. What kind of man are you? What kind of woman do you want to be? A righteous man who blesses, who's honest, who's kind, who's prudent, or a wicked man who's a burden, a a blight on people, and ends up in destruction? That's the first of, of, of three contrasts I want to give you. Here's the second one. You could be a diligent man or a slothful man. You wanna say lazy? I think slothful is better. Because you ever seen a sloth in nature? Maybe you saw sloth in the movie Zootopia, right? I talk like this, right? Sloths? They just do nothing. You go nobody's huddling around the sloth exhibit at the at the zoo. Because you know, hey, what's it he doing? Nothing. I'm gonna go get some lunch, come back. What's the sloth doing? Nothing come back before dinner, you grab a burger for $25 at the zoo cafeteria, you come back, what's this, oh, no, it's still doing nothing, right? That's what the sloths do, man. When they got to brush their teeth, it takes like a month, right? It's just, that's how slow they move. And the Bible says you could be a diligent man or a slothful man. 10.4, uh, that's the chapter I want you to go to. 10.4, right? 10.4 says, the diligent, the hand of the diligent maketh rich. He becometh poor that dealeth with a slack hand, but the hand of the diligent maketh rich. The diligent man gets rich. Do you want to get the true riches? You want to get all God has for you? You want the unsearchable riches of Christ? You better be diligent with your Bible, diligent with church, diligent with Bible study, diligent with discipleship, diligent with whatever you got to do to get into this book. We got so many people that are lazy, lazy Christians. Oh my word, laziness. I should preach a message on the sin of laziness, right? If we were as lazy with our jobs as we was with the Word of God, we'd all be on food stamps. I mean, you're supposed to be getting in there every day, hearing at His gates daily, I love them that seek me, seek me early. There's so much things about being diligent, but we just think, oh no God, when I'm in trouble, I'll call you lazy Christians lazy I want it now I want help now listen man the reason why you get help is because you spent the last five years learning that book so when the storms of life hit you had a sure foundation I'm sorry I can't microwave your Christianity and give it to you in 60 seconds right but people are lazy so then when the bottom falls out like oh fix it now fix it now I can't fix it now you spent 20 years like an idiot wasting 20 years of your Christian life you want me to snap my fingers and fix it now you want to be rich? You got to be diligent. You got to be diligent, right? There are no get-rich-quick schemes, no matter what that YouTube video tells you, right? Just give them your $1,000, and you could just sit on your butt and eat ding-dongs, and you're going to make $10,000 a month, you know, without doing anything. I, I hold on to my wallet and back away slowly, right? Just be careful. If it's not that way in life, how can that be in the Christian life? It takes time. And it takes work, right? When you walk around, you look at people, you say, oh, that person's got it together. You didn't see all the roots beneath the surface of that tree that had to be laid and reach for water. And you know when the roots stretch out on a tree, when the storms of life sway it, then the roots have to reach out further to kind of grab on and make that tree stronger. We look at the tree and say, well, I'd like to be like that. Yeah, you don't pay attention to all the stuff that's beneath the surface. You know, you see a guy on the beach, he's jacked, he's ripped, and look, you know all the work that guy put in at five o'clock in the morning, repping it out to get that body or to get those abs, to get those whatever that, Whatever you want to get, right? It takes time and work. 1224. 1224. You know what else the diligent man does? He bears rule. Twelve twenty-four says, The hand of the diligent shall bear rule, but the slothful shall be under tribute. Do you want to reign with Christ? You want to reign with Christ? You want to bear rule? You gotta be diligent. You gotta keep on, keeping on, beloved you got to keep on keeping love. As my good friend Dan Ralston in Pennsylvania, who was a pastor back there, used to say, one foot in front of the other, no points for style. You just keep putting one foot in front of the other, you keep going forward, pretty soon you got pretty far with God. How about 13.4? 13.4 says, The soul of the sluggard desireth and hath nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. The diligent man is blessed. You know what the lazy guy says? He looks at the car in the driveway. He looks at the house. Oh, I'd like that. I want you to share your wealth with me. I think we need to redistribute the wealth because I don't want to work for it like you did. I want you just to give me some of yours because that would be fair and balanced and equitable. No, you're a lazy thief. You're a sluggard And that's why you've talked yourself into these ideologies. And the same thing with the Christian life. Oh, I want that victory. I want to know how to witness. I want to see people saved too. Then get in the book, get some practice going, and learn how to do it. The soul of the slugger desireth and hath nothing because he's not willing to put the work in. 21.5. 21.5. The thoughts of the diligent tend only to plenteousness. You know what the, sl- the the diligent man has exceeding abundance. The thoughts of the diligent tend only to plenteousness. Do you know, folks? If you would cultivate your thought life the way you count your calories, you would be abounding with blessings. If you didn't entertain the nonsense between your ears, like you entertain or watch or uh, you know sit in front of the screen and just turn your brain off and amuse yourself, which is to turn your brain off and just go into a passive state, if you cultivated your mind the way you cultivate and count oh, let me put this in let me find this, Philadelphia cream cheese with chives it's not in the drop down, oh there it is right, if you were as diligent with your thought life as you were with what went in your mouth, you would be plenteous, you would be abounding with blessings and let's look at the slothful man now go back to 12 Did I read 12? 1227. Oh, yeah, 1227. Let's read this one. Let's talk about the slothful man. 1227. The slothful man roasteth not that which he took in hunting. Lazy bum wants a handout. But the substance of a diligent man is precious. The slothful man doesn't want to work for the Lord, but the guy that puts the work in, every little thing he gets is precious. You pray for a soul for 20 years, right, brother? You pray for a soul for 20 years, when that soul gets saved, somebody says, oh, it's just one soul. Oh, no, that's precious. We have an enduring substance in heaven, right? The Bible talks about your reward being a substance. The world looks at it like, eh, but you worked for it. You cried over it. You kind of maybe bled for it. You put the time and the work to cultivate those things so God could lay up that treasure. You know what that is for you? That's a precious substance, that enduring substance. But the lazy bum, the slothful, just, I don't know, just give me something on Sunday morning, Pat. I'm hungry. You want to roast that which you took not in hunting. You really want to get something out of your Bible? Close the door, throw the phone in the other room, and get down on your hands and knees and say, Lord, I'm not getting up until you give me something for this problem. I need help from your book. And then you'll go in there and slay a dragon, and you'll find something. You know, and you find that verse, when you looked for it, and you searched for it, and you wrote it down in your book, when you search for it, guess what? That verse is going to be precious. It's going to be like a, like a smooth stone you took out of the brook to slay the giant. Amen? How about uh, 2213? Hey, you could choose. You could be slothful or diligent. Choice is yours. Proverbs is full of choices. 2213. The slothful man saith, Oh, oh, there's a lion without. I shall be slain in the streets. Slothful man's always making excuses. Oh, the devil. Oh, the bad. Oh, the Hershey head. Oh, the this. Oh, the that. Oh, it's so wicked. Oh, the bad man's out there. The enemy's out there. The devil's out there. Oh, No, man, grab your sword and go to battle. That's a diligent man. 24, chapter 24, verse 30. And lastly, the slothful man loses everything. You want to see it? Twenty-four thirty. I went by the field of the slothful. And by the vineyard of the man, void of understanding. And lo, it was all grown over with thorns. And nettles had covered the face thereof. And the stone wall thereof was broken down. Then I saw and considered it well. I looked upon it and received instruction. Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth, and thy want as an armed man. You just want to put it off? You don't want to deal with it? It'll get destroyed you know, God gave me a good illustration for this verse on Sunday morning. Sunday morning, crack of dawn, pulled back my blinds, and I got those four columns in front of my house that like by the eve of my house, they're decorative columns, I've since learned. But I looked out the window and I pulled back the shades and one of the columns that separated from the eve. I said, oh, that's not good. (laughs) It was it was like hanging there. So I went to church. Think about that. Then I had to go pray and read my Bible. So I got my head back on straight. I texted Mike and, you know, stuff, stuff happened. And my brother-in-law came over later, and he kicked the bottom of it. And the thing was all just rotted out wood, rotted out. And we had some folks come this week and fix them all up, put a new column in, repair the other ones. Uh, they were all about ready to go. But to praise the Lord, they're fixed and everything, all sided up, That's a blessing. Amen, amen, amen. But you know what my neighbor said? When they saw the work being done, you know what she said? She said, oh, the previous owners, they did nothing to the house. They fixed nothing. I was like, I know. (laughs) I've learned. (laughs) You know, I went by the field of the slothful. And you look at stuff. When you know that you don't do that preventative maintenance on your house, guess what? Things fall apart. And if you don't take care of it, it gets ahead of you. And then it just, it crumbles. And this is a guy just looking at somebody just, oh, Let me just sleep a little more. Let me just close my eyes a little. I don't want to wake up and deal with what's really going on. And eventually it's just all grown over with nettles and thorns and it's all broken down. Amen. I don't want to be that way. You don't want to be that way with your vineyard, with your ministry, with the field that God has given you to work in. Amen. So be diligent. Don't be slothful. And finally, and these I'm just going to read to you, you could be the wise man or the foolish man. Now, last year I preached a message on the wise man and the foolish man. I looked it up, so I'm not going to re-preach this to you. I'm just going to list it for you. You could write it down and look the verses up later. But I'm going to give you nine things about the wise man and I think eight things about the foolish man. The wise man, number one, Proverbs 1, 1.5, he will hear instruction. Proverbs 1.5, he will hear instruction. Number two, Proverbs 3.35. Proverbs 3.35, he'll inherit glory. The wise shall inherit glory. Proverbs 3.35. Proverbs 10.8, he'll receive commandments. Proverbs 10.8, he will receive commandments. Number four. Proverbs 11.30, he wins souls. Proverbs 11.30, he that winneth souls is wise. Do you treasure eternal things? You know, when you go to the family party, are you just looking to stuff your face? Are you on the lookout maybe for a soul? Who could I talk to? Who maybe here is saved? Let me, you know, just let me be aware of what's happening. Number five, Proverbs 12.15. Proverbs 12.15, hearkeneth to counsel. Hearkens to counsel. Somebody older in the Lord gives counsel. You pay attention. You try to apply the best you can if you're wise. Or you're Rehoboam, who follows the old men and loses everything. What am I up to? Six? Proverbs 14, 16. He departs from evil. Proverbs 14, 16. He departs from evil. Hey, man. You watching that movie? That scene starts going in the wrong direction. Click. Click. Not let me see how much I can watch. I can handle it. Click. He departs from evil. You with a bunch of friends, you see it going sideways. See you later, guys. Click. I'm out. (laughs) He departs from evil. Because you can't handle it. And you can't take it. And if you don't do something, that stuff's going in your eyes and in your brain, and then it sits there for the next 25 years. Number seven, right? Proverbs 15, seven. Proverbs 15, seven. He spreads knowledge. Some of the guys went out yesterday, stood on the corner. You know what they were doing? Spreading knowledge. Spreading the knowledge of God. That's a blessing. You know what we're going to try to do when we go to the St. Patrick's Day Fair? We're not going to hand out soda bread. We're going to spread some knowledge. This is what God says about your sin. This is what God says about Jesus Christ. This is what the Bible says about how you can get to heaven. Right? Spreads knowledge. Number eight. Proverbs 18, 15. Proverbs 18, 15. The wise man seeks knowledge. Don't you like to learn things? I like learning things. Even things that aren't Bible things. I had a guy at work today talk to me about about a smoker instead of a barbecue made me really hungry, showed me pictures of his ribs, not his literal ribs, the ribs he cooked, and he's going on about the pomegranate you know, sauce he made, and I'm sitting there, I haven't eaten lunch yet, I'm like, you're killing me, man. You know what? I like when somebody is knowledgeable about something, whether it's roofing, Bible, martial arts, a smoker, I kind of like learning something, I'm listening to learn, right? I like, I like learning things especially about the Bible. I like learning what the tribulation's like. I like learning. Eli sends me some videos about what's going on in Israel. I like learning what's happening there and seeing it in light of this. Don't you like to learn? I like learning new things about my Savior. I like discovering things about the way God's Bible is laid out. I like seeing all the connective tissues, how God's verses are all consistent. I like to learn. I tell my students, I hate school, but I like to learn. You're welcome. All right? Um, Proverbs 29:11. Proverbs 29:11. All right? The wise man guards his mouth. All right? Guards his mouth. Bible says in Proverbs 29:11, a fool uttereth all his mind, but a wise man keepeth it till afterward. You don't have to say, a fool is just blah, 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 blah. verbal diarrhea. They just can't stop. It's just like ah You know, I'm okay, all right, cool, great, great. A wise man just knows when it's time to be quiet. Right? Somebody said one time, I think it was a pastor friend of mine. So he says, I just sit there quiet sometimes and people think I know what I'm doing. Like if people talk about their problems, I just, hmm. You know, I just sometimes you just be quiet and nod and look like you're smelling a fart. Hmm. You look really smart. All right, you put that in. your don't put that in the notes. All right, so that's the wise man. Is this recording? All right. How about some things about the foolish man? How about the foolish man? Number one about the foolish man: one seven. He despises God's words. A fool despiseth wisdom and instruction. Yeah, I'm thinking about dating this girl. Well, you know, is she saying? Well, you know, the Bible says. Yeah, but ah, you're a fool. You're a fool. The simple pass on and are punished because you're a fool. Yeah, I think I'm gonna do this with this money, I think I'm gonna invest it here. Well do you do. Ba, 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 ba? Yeah, but well, you know the Bible says, Ah you're a fool. You're a fool. Number two, Proverbs ten eighteen. A fool hurts people with his words. Ten eighteen says, He that uttereth a slander is a fool. Right, so a fool is going to hurt people with his words. Kind of just be that person that, you know, did you see what so-and-so did? did you know, just shaming people. You know, sometimes a wise man can just zip it, right? Number three, Proverbs fourteen nine. A fool mocks sin. A fool mocks sin. It says right there, fools make a mock at sin. You ever preach on the street, preach about sin? Oh, yeah, I'm a sinner. Oh, I'm going to go to hell. Uh, you know, yeah, that, that's a fool right there. That's a fool. And Christians get that way too. Christians get that way too. You know, the Bible says, oh, yeah, right, I know. I'm going to get chastened. Oh, yeah, I got to follow the Bible. You know, you're, you're mocking sin. You're just openly saying it's not a big deal, that it's not going to get you, that you're not going to be the next one to end up in the pig pen. You better be careful. when you, If a man thinketh he standeth, take heed. Lest you fall. For a man thinketh himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. Take heed, lest ye fall. What am I up to now? Number four? Number four. Proverbs 17.10. Proverbs 17.10. A fool is stubborn and resists reproof. Stubborn and resists reproof. A reproof entereth more into a wise man than an hundred stripes into a fool. You could take a fool and whip him a hundred times, and he still thinks he's right. Somewhere, somebody has a, a, a list of spiritual fruit in Galatians 5 and thinks that stubbornness is one of the fruit in there. Stubbornness is not a spiritual admirable quality, okay? Having a thick head might make you Italian, but it doesn't make you spiritual, Right. Being spiritual is when you'll receive commandments and be flexible enough to say maybe I was wrong, maybe I should turn around. Proverbs 17:24 A fool looks everywhere but right in front of him. A fool looks everywhere but right in front of him. It says in 17:24 Wisdom is before him that hath understanding. But the eyes of a fool are in the ends of the earth. A fool is always looking over there. The grass is always greener. If I just do it her way, his way, their way, that way, how about what God has put right in front of you? You think maybe God put you here for a reason? How about chapter 20, verse 3? i got three more about a fool. 20, verse 3. A fool is a busybody, a meddler. You know, meddle, like a little yenter. You know, just meddles, meddles, meddles. Gets in everybody's business. A little little tattletale, a little gossip. Right, it says in 20 verse 3, every fool will be meddling. Just leave some stuff alone. (laughs) How about 2611? 2611. A fool returns to his vomit. A fool returns to his vomit. As a dog returneth to his vomit How many people have had dogs? You know what a dog will do They'll eat that steak They'll puke it up They'll, they'll look at Ooh, steak And they'll start, they'll start, they'll start eating that, that steak up you know? God put that in the Bible To say That's you, Christian When you go back to the stuff That you threw up in your life Oh, my goodness, I'll never do that again. (laughs) Next week, yo, bro, we're hitting up the club. All right, what time I'm going to meet you at? Right? You're a fool going back to your vomit. And we could do that for a million different sins. And the last one I want to look at, 2826. Here's the last thing about a fool. 2826, last thing about a fool. You know what a fool does? Follows his heart. A fool follows his heart listen to your heart. (laughs) Some bad 80s song, right? Don't listen to your heart. Don't let your conscience be your guide. You follow a cricket. That's your guidance for life. You're going to walk off into a ditch. All right? He that, look at it, 28, 26. He that trusteth, this is one of the first verses I learned in the Bible. He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. But he that walketh wisely shall be delivered. He shall be delivered. I just feel this. Yeah, maybe you ate something bad yesterday, right? I just feel, and I just think, and I just feel, you're gonna feel yourself right into the pig pen, right? Don't trust your heart, trust what God said. That's the rock. So the question is, you're gonna be wise or you're a fool? You could be a righteous man or a wicked man, that's first, and then you could be a diligent man or a slothful man once you've been made righteous, and then you could be a wise man or a foolish man when this thing's all over. The choice is yours. So go to Proverbs 9. Let me give you some big ideas from the book, from the book of Proverbs. I just got really one. One big idea from the book of Proverbs will take a few minutes to look at. Proverbs chapter 9. Here's the big idea from the book of Proverbs. Remember who's addressed First seven chapters, who are we talking to? The king's son. Here's the big idea from the book of Proverbs The king's son can choose who he wants to be. You have a choice. And if you're wise, you'll make the right choice. That's why Proverbs gives you contrasts. And the big idea is you're going to be wise, you're going to make the right choice. There is no gray. Make a choice. Even when you don't choose, you've chosen. And let me show you. There are two spirits in the book of Proverbs that are trying to lead the king's son. Proverbs 9 verse 1 is the first spirit. See it? Wisdom hath builded her house. She hath hewn out her seven pillars. She hath killed her beasts. She hath mingled her wine. She hath also furnished her table. She hath sent forth her maidens. She crieth upon the highest places of the city. Whoso is simple, let him turn in hither. As for him that wanteth understanding, she saith to him, Come, eat of my bread, and drink of the wine which I have mingled. The first spirit that's out there in the world, people, Christians, is God's wisdom. It's likened to a woman that wants to build your house. The Holy Spirit is like a good woman that guides the house. That's why the woman is like your Holy Spirit. That mom, that good wife is your Holy Spirit because like the Holy Spirit, she quietly, he quietly wants to guide the house. And here's a spirit, there are seven things in that verse, in those verses that this wisdom wants to do for you to build your house. That's the spirit God wants you to follow, the Holy Spirit. But right in the same chapter is another woman, another spirit that doesn't want to build you, wants to destroy you. Look at 9 verse 13. A foolish woman is clamorous. She is simple and knoweth nothing, for she sitteth at the door of her house on a seat in the high places of the earth. Interesting to call passengers who go right on their ways. Notice in verse 16 it's exactly what wisdom says in verse 4. She's going to sound just like wisdom. Whoso is simple let him turn in hither and as for him that wanteth understanding she saith to him stolen waters are sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant but he knoweth not that the dead are there and that her guests are in the depths of hell. You follow that woman, you're in trouble. Two spirits in the book of Proverbs. Two spirits in the world. One is the Holy Spirit. One is that spirit of Jezebel that wants to seduce you and come on and sound almost exactly like the Holy Spirit. Oh, you're simple? Come here. I got bread. I got water. And you don't realize you're on your way to hell. Now, the spirit you choose... To follow determines the kind of woman you end up for God. Remember? 1 to 7, appealing to the king's son. 8 to 30, addressing the issues of life. Chapter 31, the virtuous woman you're supposed to be. If you're a king's son who follows the right spirit, you end up a virtuous woman. If you're a king's son who follows the wrong spirit, you end up the wrong kind of woman. You end up a rotten woman. Chapter 30 gives us the wrong kind of woman and chapter 31 gives us the right kind of woman. Go to chapter 30 and look at verse 20. Let me show you the wrong kind of woman that you'll end up if you follow the wrong spirit, the wrong counsel, the wrong way. You're wicked. You're slothful. Proverbs 30, verse 20. Such is the way of an adulterous woman. She eateth and wipeth her mouth and saith, I've done no wickedness. You follow the wrong spirit, you end up an adulterous woman. You know what an adulterous woman is? She's stepping out on her husband. But she's stepping out in her heart. Adultery is a heart issue. Fornication is a flesh issue. right? Whoso looketh upon a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery already with her in his heart. The adultery in the heart can start long before the fornication happens with the body. And if you follow the wrong spirit, your heart departs from your bridegroom, departs from God, and you went, well, what'd I do? I'm just living my life. She wipes her mouth and says, I've done no wickedness. My hands are clean. I'm just enjoying my life. You pig. That's what you are. You're a pig. The Bible calls a woman like that a sow, a female. It's a pig. The sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. That's what he says you'll end up like. How about verse 23? Here's another attribute of this wrong kind of woman. For an odious woman, when she's married... You see, both of them deal with married people. For an odious woman, when she is married, that's one of the reasons why the earth is disquieted. He says, you follow that wrong spirit, you'll be odious. You know what odious is? Offensive. Odious is unpleasant. That's what odious is. Odious is, you should be loved because you're married, but you're an offense. It's like you're deserving of hatred. You should be deserving of love, but you're so difficult and so cantankerous and so wicked and so ugh. You're deserving of hatred. That's odious. Is that who you want to be? To your bridegroom? An adulterous woman and an odious woman? Yeah, I'm married to you. But ugh, you know. That's the situation there. But if you go to Proverbs 31, we'll finish right here. If you follow the Holy Spirit, you become a virtuous woman. Christ's virtuous woman. I know i got a room full of ladies here that qualify, I'm sure, as virtuous women, but let's just spiritualize it to be the church. I'm not going to read this whole chapter. This will be a study in itself, but if you follow this chapter, there are 21 things that this virtuous woman does. at 777. But let me pick out a few of them. How about verse 10? Who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies. You know, if you take a ruby and cut it in half, you have two rubies. But the church is a, something above rubies. You know what the church is? The church is a pearl. You're a pearl of great price that Jesus Christ would sell everything to buy that field for. You know, if you cut a pearl in half, you don't have two pearls. It's dead. So you know what a pearl is? It's a living thing. You're a lively stone, Peter says, right? You're a living stone. You're a pearl of great price, like a black pearl. Doesn't that song of Solomon bride say, I'm comely, but black? A black pearl is a priceless pearl, not just the movies, all right? But a black pearl is a priceless pearl. Go to 3111. The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her so that he shall have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. You know what that virtuous it, woman is? She's a blessing to her husband. She's faithful. Now we could look to our own wives and say, Honey, that's you. But you know what Christ wants to do? He wants to look at you and say, Honey, that's you. Amen. We can trust God. Sadly, God can't always trust us. Amen. The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her. I could trust you with the gospel. I could trust you with a heartache. I could trust you with some resources. You're going to do me good and not evil all the days of your life. She's faithful. How about verse number 13? She seeketh wool and flax and worketh willingly with her hands. You know what she does? She goes after the right things and works willingly. She's a worker. Man, you know what? Something about that lady that just rolls up her sleeves and just goes to work. That impresses me. I don't mean to, like, make money just to, you know, make things nice for a fellowship or work on the house and just make things pleasant for, I don't know, just something impressive about that. just doesn't sound a trumpet after herself, just does what has to be done. That virtuous woman just quietly goes after things that she could use to cover other people up and just works willingly. Nobody has to kick her in the pants. Nobody has to send out seven text messages. Just, just, hey, there's a need. Okay, quietly just goes about and does it. Is that you? Is that me? Keep reading. Verse 16. I'm jumping around. I'm just picking. No, oh, 15. I'm sorry, 15. 15. She riseth also while it is yet night, and giveth a p- meat to her household, and a portion to her maidens. She rises during the night, like the moon, like the church. This is our time, Folks. The moon is supposed to be rising during the night. We're supposed to be reflecting the light of Christ in the night because the sun is not here right now. The sun is away at the night. His light is obscured, but the day is coming. But right now in the night, it's your time to shine. Are you shining? Are you rising or are you falling? How about verse 16? She considereth a field and buyeth it. With the fruit of her hands, she planted the vineyard. You know what she does? She considers the lost a field. heard a preacher talking about this recently, and he said, it says a field, not the field. Jesus said the field is the world. You know what? You and I, I can't win the world. But you know what I can win? The field that God has given you. A field. Monmouth County, Middlesex, like this area. You know what this is? This is our field. I, I am jealous over this field. Like, I want this field for the Lord. I want Matawan and Aberdeen and Morganville and Sayerville. I want, all these, and old, I want all these places to be Jesus Christ. I want to get the gospel to his man. Now, I'm going to send money to Maurice in Haiti, but that's not my field right now. This is where I'm stationed. This is my post. So i got to consider my field. How do I reach the people in my field What's best for my field? How do I cultivate my field? So she thinks about the lost all around her and she plants a vineyard. You know what a vineyard is? That's a ministry. That's for the saved. So this lady is really spiritual. She's thinking about the lost and she's thinking about the saved. How do I reach the lost? How do I minister to the saved? How do I get some more lost into the barn? How do I cultivate the vine that's growing under my hand? You know, that's what church is supposed to be about. It's not all lost. There's some churches where it's every Sunday, it's salvation. Every Sunday, it's salvation. Every Sunday, it's salvation. It's just salvation, salvation, salvation. And if you're not winning souls, you're wicked and evil, and you're not worth the, you know, to be shot. No, that's not true. There's lots of things to be doing as a Christian, right? You could be praying. You could be interceding. You could be helping. You could be helping somebody move, helping somebody carry something, moving hymnals on a Sunday morning. Hey, man, it's both. (laughs) It's evangelism and discipleship. It's two prongs. It's like a piston. This engine goes up and down. We've got to save the, save the lost and the disciple to save. Save the lost and the disciple to save. Right? Consider a field, plant a vineyard. Right? How about verse 21? Two more quick ones then we'll pray. 21. She is not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. You know what she does? She clothes her household so the circumstances don't rattle her. Oh, it's going to snow? My goodness. When did the snow become the apocalypse? Right? Come on, man. When we grew up snow, oh, it's exciting. Especially if you're sanitation, snow, you like cha-ching. Right? But, you, know, you grew up snow, it's like, all right, it's going to snow, we got to shovel. Now I'm driving Route 9, there's flurries. Winter weather ahead. Use safety and caution. Avoid travel. I'm thinking like this giant six-foot locust descending from the heavens. It's like flurries, people. It's snow. Okay? i got to get the milk and bread. Do we have enough milk and bread? We don't have enough milk and bread. <laughs> but you know what that virtuous woman? She's not afraid of the elements. Right? That woman there, when COVID locked everything down for her, she didn't give up on her Jesus. She didn't stop worshiping. She didn't stop praying. You know why? Because she had been prepared with scarlet. And though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as wool. Right? They shall be as wool. They should be white as snow. So don't let circumstances rally you so much. Prepare yourself, prepare your family, mom and dad. You can make some application there. And then lastly, 31, 31. You know, wives and moms are the unsung heroes of the universe because they labor without glory, often without thanks, without accolade. They just keep doing it because it's the right thing to do. And hopefully, down the road, Dingbat son or dingbat daughter will turn around and say, Thank you, mom. Thank you. Right? I, I, I get it now. Probably when you have your own kids and you're slaving and you're like, Oh, wow. You know, but you know what? It's probably like that with us as Christians, right? You're praying and you're preaching and you're reaching and you're sacrificing and you're submitting and you're doing all this stuff and you're like, Where's the glory? I mean, where's the recognition? The world thinks you're nuts. Other Christians who are lukewarm think you're nuts. But you know what it says at the end of Proverbs 31, 31? It says, Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. Can I tell you, Christians, if you're a virtuous woman, you don't get your reward down here, but your works will be rewarded at the judgment seat of Christ when you pass through those gates. What's that song we sing? um, Farther Along? We'll know all about it farther and long. We'll understand why. Cheer up, my brother. Live on the sunshine. We'll understand it all by and by. And there's a line in that song that says, A few more days to labor and wait. Trials of the road will then seem as nothing when we sweep through those beautiful gates. And then Boaz, your Boaz, to you, Ruth, will say, All the people of my city doth know that thou art a virtuous woman. And your works will praise you in the gates. So keep on keeping on. Listen up, King's son. Learn about the issues of life so you could be a virtuous woman for your bridegroom. Amen. Let's pray. <clears throat> we love you. T-